Hey, podcast community, it's Eric, and I've got something exciting for all you online entrepreneurs out there. If you're looking to take your e-commerce store to the next level, you need to check out Aurora Repricer. With Aura, you can effortlessly reprice your Amazon inventory automatically. Ready to elevate your Amazon business? Head over to milwaukeemafia.com slash Aura, that's A-U-R-A, to get started today. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your weekly podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric Waltergens. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And Gavin, what do you got for us for a topic today? Uh, This episode I'm calling Dominic Leone and the Little Pink Church. The Little Pink Church, cool. Take her away. Okay, so right off the bat, I got to cite my sources here. Um, Primary source for this episode, it's still... My book, Milwaukee Mafia, um, I'm basically going chapter through chapter um, with these. But also, I did do a little looking through uh, Matt Prigg's book, Milwaukee Mayhem, because he covers this story as well. So I just kind of use that as a double check. So um, people are interested, uh, Milwaukee Mayhem, which I have nothing to do with, but it is a great book. So I do recommend that. And it's Milwaukee Mayhem. Is that based solely around the mafia? Not, or no, not just, at all. Just crime in Milwaukee? or crime, crime? It's the first hundred years of crime in Milwaukee. So it was way back to like the 1850s up to, well, I guess the 1950s. Interesting. I could be wrong on the years, but it's it's the very early years. Okay, so as a community grows, one of the first things that it is going to need is a church. Of course. Okay. So around 1890 in Milwaukee, there are 400 Italians. Not a whole lot. In 1900, 10 years later, there are 726 Italians. Still not a whole lot. Oh, and I should point out that comparing the 726 in Milwaukee to Chicago, how many do you think Chicago had? 2,100. That's a low ball. I figured it would be, but... (laughs) Nope, they had 16,000. People, oh, okay. Italian people in Chicago at the same time. So over 16, probably 20 times as many as Milwaukee. Right. Just to give you an idea of how small Milwaukee really is. Well, anyway, so of these 700 people, most of them are Catholic. And, of course, they're going to want a church. I mean, that's you want to settle somewhere and have a church. So uh, Milwaukee was already very Catholic. Um, the Germans were there. The Irish were there, both of which are very Catholic. But, you know, they kind of wanted their own Italian church because— you sort of want a place where you're not hanging out with a bunch of people who speak German or whatever, you know, that you don't understand. And at first, the best they could do was they, they took a tavern and they converted it into a church, which I think was a very Wisconsin thing to do. Very Wisconsin thing to do. <laughs> Along comes Father Dominic Leone. Uh, he was born in Louisiana, but he moved up to Milwaukee, and he was a big deal in Milwaukee's Italian community, um, as a priest usually is. Uh, He pushed for the construction of a church, which was sometimes called Our Lady of Pompeii or the Blessed Virgin of Pompeii. Uh, He pushed for this in about 1903. It was built in 1904, and it opened up on Christmas Day, 1904. It it was a small church. It could only fit about 200 people at one time. And it became known as the Little Pink Church because even though it was brick, it was painted kind of a little pink color. (laughs) So... This was like the the main hub of the community. 
And people would go there, obviously, for church, but also they would go there for family gatherings and other things. And they would even have daycare um, during the week. So if people didn't have a place for their kids, they'd put them there and the nuns would watch them. So Cool. Yeah, center, center of the town here. So just kind of a background on, on that. And now we'll jump into the crime part of this episode. <laughs> so that was, that was the happy part. <laughs> And now it all goes downhill. Now it all goes downhill, yep. We start out with uh, foundry worker Tom Tarantino. Tom Tarantino is shot in the left eye. Uh, he's out there, just in the middle of the daytime, uh, bright sunlight on Detroit Street. Uh, lots of people see this happen. And immediately the police suspect Antonio Balistrieri, who coincidentally is the nephew of the Antonio Bellastri who killed James Sukop, if you remember back to that episode. Yep. So uh, keeping that in the family there. But not knowing exactly how to find him, the detectives round up the 11 nearest men they could find. Uh, the paper writes, the Sicilians are notorious feudists, uh, which it, I guess is their nice way of saying, uh, you get one of ours, we'll get one of yours. <laughs> Uh, the police investigated. They found that the angle of the shot suggested a guy was sitting on a second floor, uh, out a second floor window, like a little uh, hideout spot. And they saw the assailant run through an alley into the railroad tracks, but uh, they didn't catch him, surprisingly enough. enough. Even though they, they're pretty sure they know who did it, they never caught him. Very easy to get away with murder. Very easy. Now, nobody knows exactly what the motive was. Um, when they found him, he only had 30 cents in his pocket. So robbery is probably not why he was targeted. Uh, a member of the community told the paper, quote, Sicilians are secretive. They're clannish and they fight their own battles. I believe there are hundreds in this ward who suspect the murderer and know the cause. Someday another mysterious murder will occur, and then Tarantino will be avenged. They spoke, the newspaper spoke with uh, Father Leone, which is how this ties back to our, our charge party, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> uh, he speaks to the press, and he goes, Ah, the talk of the existence of a mafia in Milwaukee? That's ridiculous. There is no mafia or other secret Italian order of the kind in Milwaukee. Tarantino had the reputation of being a quarrelsome man. In his conversation, he was insulting. And he was said to be overbearing and supercilious. The other Italians did not like him. He customarily made erratic remarks, which led his countrymen to frequently remark that he was crazy. From gossip, which I have heard in the ward, I believe that the quarrel was the outcome of a row which Tarantino had over his job. Other Italians thought he was trying to make trouble for them with the management at the place where he worked. That may not have been the cause of the murder. That is the surmise on my part. The Milwaukee Italians are peaceful and law-abiding. Sometimes they have quarrels, as do members of other nationalities. The Sicilians are naturally quick to anger, and when they become angry, they are often seized with a desire to kill. That is a national trait. They are not communicative to officers of the law because of a certain clannishness among them. So first of all, this is a lot, a lot <laughs> of things for the priest to say to the press. Um, but second, I find it really amusing that he starts off saying they're law-abiding and they're good people and then by the end of the same conversation he's like yeah they're quick to anger and when they get angry they're gonna kill you like <laughs> like okay not really the best compliment you can give there uh the police inspector said i don't know whether there's a mafia in milwaukee or not we've never obtained evidence of any such organization but it might exist up to the present, we have made no progress in the case. We have not found an individual in the Third Ward colony who expresses suspicion or give us any material 
in running the murderer to earth. Even the friends of the murdered man will not aid the police. They prefer to settle their quarrels among themselves without the interference of the law. So, Tom Tarantino, shot in the eye, dead, murderer never caught. Just just out of curiosity, um, yeah. and I know we covered this in a previous episode, yeah. but I don't remember the exact dates. But at this point in time, is it pretty clear that there is a mafia? Or based on your research, like... Is it clear to me? Yeah, like now that yes. you look back at the time, yeah, there was totally a mafia here. Or is it in that window where, well, there could have been a mafia, but... No, I think it was I think it was established at this point. point. Okay. Yeah. All right, so a couple of years later, there's another, another murder. There's always murders. There's so many murders. Um, this time a man named Vincent Ferreira. He's killed with a sawed-off shotgun and... It contained slugs, buckshot, and pieces of a lead pipe. <laughs> so apparently uh, someone was just putting anything they could in the shotgun <laughs> when they fired it. Uh, Father Leon comes back again. This time he takes a confession. And then he goes, after taking the confession, he goes to the press. And he says he couldn't really say anything about the confession other than that the killer was probably an Italian. <laughs> Um, the newspaper speculated that Father Leon was actually working with the police, um, which would not be a good idea. This would make him a target. And uh, also, really, if someone confesses, you're probably not supposed to go around telling people that. But uh, Ferreira had previously lived in Kenosha before moving uh, to Milwaukee. And uh, Inspector Inspector Reamer, it's the same inspector from the last murder, now he says to the press, Italians are sociable and do not go into the country to walk alone at night unless they have a purpose. Not sure what he's getting at, but that's what he says about this. They search his pockets, the dead guy's pockets, and they found a revolver, a stiletto, and a razor. What he was doing out there, I don't know, but doesn't look good. <laughs> his body was moved into the street where it was run over by a streetcar. Wow. When the police questioned other people, nobody claimed to know him. They said, I don't know who that guy is. Uh, the next day, a man uh, visited the uh, the murder victim, Vincent Ferrer, at the hospital. He's not quite dead yet at this point. Uh, and confirmed to police that Ferrer was from Kenosha. And uh, the police kind of kept watch on the hospital bed. And they soon came up with this theory that he was a target of the Ruffalo brothers in Kenosha. And I'm not going to get into any of that because it's a whole other thing. But um, just in case anybody is wondering, if the name Ruffalo sounds familiar to you, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, there is a famous man named Ruffalo who is related to the Ruffalos of Kenosha. Oh, really? Yes. And are we talking, I think, is it an actor? It's an actor. Okay. Yeah. Is he so? Is he from Wisconsin? He is. He's from Kenosha. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah, never knew that. Yeah. So, uh, no disrespect to him, but uh, he may have had some questionable people, <laughs> uh, some questionable grandparents or great uncles. Interesting. Okay. So this again, not solved. So we got two murders unsolved. Two murders have, unsolved. We have a priest that appears to be way too involved in the well. Yes, just in this story in general. Why? Why? It, like somebody gets killed and everybody runs to the priest to ask him what happened. Yeah, I people mean, run to the priest and he has an entire paragraph of <laughs> yeah. things to tell them. <laughs> now this gets us to the 
third and I think final uh, murder for this week. And it is a man named Dominic Leone. And Dominic Leone is the same name as the priest, Father Dominic Leone. But it's not the same man. Okay, I was just going to say, oh, so now we're going to end, we're going to kill off the priest. No, huh? we're not going to kill off the priest, no. Um, these two men are actually cousins. Okay. And uh, I don't know if I've explained this in a previous episode, but I'll bring it up again because it's important to know. Uh, the Sicilian culture, one of the things that you do for tradition is you name your firstborn son after your father. It's something you do. So... The so Dominic Leone, the guy we're about to talk about, and Father Dominic Leone, their grandfather's name is Dominic okay. Leone, and so even though one of the the sons has a son, and then he names him Dominic, the next time a son has a firstborn son, he's also going to name him Dominic. <laughs> wow, this just seems like a terrible idea. It is potentially a terrible idea. <laughs> Um, there, for, for example, there's one family that I know that had 10 sons and I don't know if all 10 of the sons had kids, but enough of them did where they all had to name their firstborn son. So there's like 10 cousins with the exact same name. That is crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a tradition. Um, and it's, it's a really helpful tradition. I mean, if you're doing family history, because, you can be like, well, okay, you're the firstborn son. This is your name. So I already know what your grandfather's name is. So that's really helpful. Um, but it's terribly confusing yeah. if you live in a small town and there's three people with the exact same name. And it's like, oh, no, no, you're taking on my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas, you know, for us, non-Italians, very American uh our tradition is if you have a cousin with a certain name, you don't name somebody that name. <laughs> that name is taken. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so the second Dominic Leone, uh, he comes to Milwaukee uh, from Sicily. He takes up work as a day laborer, which basically just means he does odd jobs. But... Along the way, he actually gains some political influence. Uh, he has a youth group that he leads and he helps get other Italians to go to the polls on election day, which this really impresses the local political leaders that he's able to get people to show up because a lot of them don't really care about, you know, what's going on in the city at large. Like that's not their problem, but he's rewarded for this by giving the job of waymaster at the East side dump. And as you might recall, the East Side Dump uh, came up in a previous episode. You should definitely listen to that episode if you haven't. Yep. So same same place here again. Hmm. We know that this Dominic Leone was close to the mob because he was living with the Guadalabene and DiMaggio families for a while. So if you're living in the mob boss's house pretty good chance you're close to the guy because he wouldn't want random strangers living in his house. That would be very strange. Uh, and even after he moved to his own house, he brought with him Nicola Marino to live with him. And Nicola Marino is a guy I've brought up a couple times now because he's the guy who shot an employee at the Boston store <laughs> uh, because he didn't get a blanket. And I, I still find that funny. 
So if he's living with the guy who's shooting somebody just because he's in a dispute over a blanket, uh, questionable friends for sure. Is there any evidence to suggest that the Dominic Leone priest, or is that what they call him? Priest father. Priest, yeah, sure, yeah. Is he, could he have been associated at some, in some way to the mafia? I want to say no. Okay. I want to say so no. So there's really no evidence to suggest that that you've seen. Right. You can't definitively say no, definitely not, but there's not a whole lot of evidence I can't, to support I mean, that. I can't say, well, he's a priest, obviously he's not. I can't say that, but I have nothing, no reason to believe that he is. In fact, I mean, if anything, the fact that he seems to be a little too friendly with the police would suggest that he's not. Yeah, yeah okay, I can see that. Yeah. A curious question is with the priest. So, do you, is it makes sense that he would be completely oblivious to the fact that there's a mafia at this point in time. Do you think no, people... I think he's full of it. Okay, he's just saying that to be, I guess, probably doing the Sicilian thing of protecting yeah. his people, basically by saying, yeah, this there's, isn't happening. I mean, I personally, I think everybody kind of knew something was up. And even if you didn't necessarily know there was a mafia, or you didn't necessarily know who was in it. I think most people kind of knew. I don't think it was as big of a secret as it seems like it would have been. I think you kind of knew who you were and weren't supposed to talk to. Mm-hmm. When you live in this area, like I said, this is running a time where just over 700 people. Right. And there's these murders going on. like I, Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's not normal. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I appreciate the priest saying, oh, you know, all nationalities have have crime. And that's true, obviously. Yeah, they do. If you live in a community of 700 people and there's multiple murders a year going on, that is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. But then again, it's the same thing. And, and you could probably correct me if I'm wrong at this. I would imagine murder rates were higher in this time mm-hmm. than, say, what we're used to now. Just because it was easy to get away with murder. I couldn't say that 100%, but yeah, generally speaking, yes, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but yes, I believe you're right. right. Okay. So Dominic Leone, not the priest, the other one. Uh, When he gets married, Angelo Guadalabene uh, is his best man. And Angelo, again, mob boss's son, is also one of the guys who is like the supervisor at the garbage dump. So um, if this is his best man, again, he's pretty tight with these guys. Yeah. He's, uh, Leone's promoted up to superintendent of garbage collection. So he's, uh, he's rising up in the, in the dump as well. Soon after he was promoted though, he got a threat. And if you don't know where this threat came from, but he wrote a letter to his friend about it saying, some person had threatened me with death because I was made in charge of garbage superintendent, garbage superintendent, and apparently somebody else didn't feel that he was deserving of that wow. job. These people really love their garbage, man. Yeah. <laughs> Not long after that, in fact, only a month after being promoted, uh, his body is found. He is dead, and he is laying out in front of Mike Fatucci's tavern at 222 Jefferson Street. A man named Mike Cesaro was tending bar at the time. No real relevance to that, but just so you know who's there. (laughs) 
And Mike Sassero, uh, on top of the fact that he's he's a bartender, he also is the president of the Italian bank um, in the community. So he's a well-connected guy. He's not just some random bartender. The cop on the scene had heard gunshots only moments before, so they knew that he died almost instantly because when he got there, he was dead already. He had been shot twice, once in the abdomen, once in the right lung. The bullets were found to be homemade shotgun shells. Uh, Leone had only lived a block away, so he was walking on his way to work when he was shot. Detectives said that more deaths were going to follow because there was one prominent secret society among the Italians that had a new rival with a second secret society. Ooh. Ooh. How they know this, I have no idea. <laughs> but that's that's what they were telling the press. So we know that Leone is affiliated with the Guadalabenes. If the police are right, who is the rival group that's standing up to them? I don't know. That's it, a mystery. Is there any evidence of there being any sort of organized crime group in Milwaukee around this time? Uh, you know, now, there is a lot of speculation that there were two groups that were kind of in dispute. Um, and the Guadalupe's were the main group who ultimately would have won if there was a dispute. And then there was a smaller group that didn't really like them. And there's no real hard evidence on this. The only thing that... Only reason that that I feel that way, and a few other people I've spoken to who kind of research this stuff feel that way, is just strictly based on where they were from in Sicily. Is when you see who's killed and then who's killed next. It's kind of like the back and forth. forth. Is you're like, okay, well maybe this is like my clan, your clan, and one of us can be here, but we can't both be here. And but you know we don't we don't know this. This is all speculation. Um, first of all, again, as always, it's a secret stuff. Nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but second of all, the police files are all destroyed. So I don't even know what the police knew at this time. Yeah. So there's probably some really interesting police files, but they're gone. But more or less, the second group would not be like another ethnic group. It's no. literally another group of, another Italian, group, uh, yeah, of, uh, yeah. of Italians that were Correct. just feuding with the mafia we know as correct right now. yeah okay um unlike other other cities uh, you know chicago new york the big cities there really weren't a lot of other ethnic groups um competing there weren't chinese japanese gangs there weren't irish gangs i mean milwaukee really just had its one organized crime group um, which makes it really easy to keep track of <laughs> um but yeah it isn't until a whole lot later that you get um you know, your Latino groups or your biker gang groups, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a detective speaks to the press and he says, Leone will be avenged. Leone often told me his death, told me before his death that he could probably place his hands on the men guilty of the murders in the Italian colony over the past two years, but admitted that he was afraid to try it. The moment one Italian squealed, he said, his death warrant was signed. And this was so well understood that we've never been able to obtain even the slightest information. I have strong doubts that this is accurate. Like, I don't believe that um, Dominic Leone, not the priest, the other one, is is regularly going to the police being like, I could probably tell you what's going on, but then I'm going to get killed. I, I feel like he was pretty deep in it himself. I could be wrong on that, but this... I'm very skeptical of the thought that he was this close to the police. Father Dominic Leone, the cousin, was very confused by the whole situation. He said, well, my cousin Dominic was married. He was well-respected. 
Um, he had been in the country for years. He was a naturalized citizen. Uh, he said he had connections, but no enemies, no money. No one was discharged from the garbage plant when my cousin took charge, the priest said. Leone's wife went to the uh, press and she said, I don't know about these secret societies, these black hands or these murders. I never asked about them because I loved my husband and I was not of his nationality. He was always kind and considerate and never rough or ill-mannered like the others. Although he was Italian, <laughs> <Like the> others. <laughs> although he was Italian and I am German, my mother did not object to our marriage when she saw that he was a gentleman. I mean, maybe I'm reading that wrong, but I'm reading that as like saying his Italian friends are kind of rough characters. Uh, the same day, a man is arrested uh, for the killing, but soon let go. But he got arrested because while walking down the street, some children started taunting him. You killed Leone. You killed Leone. <laughs> So uh, the police arrested him, but they couldn't prove anything. <laughs> nice. So these these mean children. Uh, the detective who remained anonymous said that more murders were going to follow. He says, Leone was high in the councils of the leaders of the secret society, he said. We are watching for a war between rival societies. It seems that they would rather fight it out with stilettos and guns than to seek the aid of authorities. So again, this talk of these rival groups. His funeral was one of the largest the Italians had ever seen. Um, Angelo Guardalabene, the mob boss's son, was a pallbearer, as was Tony Bellante, who was a top mob guy at the time. Honorary pallbearers included the local Italian ambassador, uh, Michael Cesaro, who was the, the bartender and the bank president guy, as well as the local alderman, Cornelius Corcoran. And Cornelius Corcoran... Um, not Italian. Hmm. He's actually Irish. And the reason he was there is because he had been the alderman for 43 years. Wow. <laughs> so he was the alderman back when the Irish were still in the neighborhood and he just never lost. <laughs> really? So when the Italians, came, I mean, eventually, you know, he's he could retire as a new guy comes in. But they're just like, well, keep voting for the same guy, I guess. <laughs> 43 years. Ran unimposed for 43 years. Yeah. Yeah, even though the Irish had all left, he was still the local alderman. Uh, an unforeseen consequence of the murder was a garbage strike. The wagon drivers who worked under Leone walked off the job, fearing that they might become targets, because a lot of their jobs had been given out as political appointments. So they figured, well, if this guy is targeted for being the superintendent, we might be targeted for our jobs, too. <laughs> uh, the positions were quickly filled by rookies with no experience, and many of the garbage cans were neglected the first time the men went on their route. Uh, in fact, sometimes it went up for days, weeks <laughs> on end. Uh, the health commissioner was personally upset. And he wrote a letter saying, the Department of Public Works is absolutely incompetent to collect garbage. That's all there is to it. At my own residence, the garbage was not collected for three weeks and four days. So it's almost getting back to the point before there was the garbage again. We remember how that worked That's out. That's great. We're moving on a little bit here. Okay. We're coming down to the end, but we're moving on. Shortly after the death of Dominic Leone, another man named Nick San Marco received three threatening letters demanding money. $500 at first, and then finally setting for, settling for $200 when the demands were not met. The letter said failure to pay would result in the family being blown to atoms. By the final letter, it said, This is the last time we will ask you for money. If you do not give it to us at once, we will blow you and your family into the air. 
It is better to be a poor living man than a rich dead man. San Marco was a good friend of Dominic Leone, and police speculated that the same people may have been involved in the threats that were involved in the murder. Uh, San Marco's home was actually spared. Um, Even though he was obviously able to pay, um, he was a landlord that took in good money, but he didn't pay, and they didn't end up actually bombing him, so he got off with it. Hmm. Uh, Even though... You know, other people were not as fortunate. (laughs) They got lucky. Yeah. An unidentified, well-known Italian told the newspaper that 20 people had received similar letters just in the last month alone. So that's kind of wrapping it up. Um, Next time, we're going to talk about uh, a few more murders that happened in 1912 yet. So we're still in the same time period. And there's a couple left. Um, I have a postscript to this, but if you have any questions, it's probably the time to jump in with the questions. Okay. So the postscript is just for those who are curious. Um, Father Leone uh, stayed on as the priest through 1915. So not a whole lot longer, but a few more years. Um, He was never attacked. He was always okay. Um, At that point, he was replaced by another priest, and he moved on. Where he went after he he left the church, I don't know. I assume he went to another church, but he didn't stay in the area of Milwaukee anymore. Uh, The Little Pink Church held its last Mass on July 30th, 1967. At that time, it was demolished to make way for the I-794 freeway. Ah, boo. Boo. (laughs) Uh, if you go there now, there's a small little park uh, and a historical marker. It's called Pompeii Square. Plus side, most of the Italian families had moved out of the neighborhood by the 1960s. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But it was still, you know, it was a sad day because this was like the the first church of the Italian community. And it held a lot of history and symbolism for them. So uh, nobody was really happy that they had to tear it down. But this is kind of what happened in the 60s is big cities came through with freeways so when you were so you were talking about father leone and i'm curious about how he never had any problems never had a hit out on him yeah and off the air earlier we were talking about how the mafia has this code these rules you know Mm -hmm. killing women is not okay yeah is possibly the fact that he's a priest pretty much make him safe it, like, it probably helps, yeah. Yeah, like it, it's just not something you do as kill a priest. Yeah. In their rules. It's, and and yeah, and like we were talking before, there's the rules, but then there's like. There's always the, exceptions. Yeah. I, I, I get that, but. but does, like, does the mafia kill women? No. Are we going to talk about women that have been killed? Yeah, it'll <laughs> probably come up. Um do they kill priests? No. Has it happened? Probably. Yeah. So. Um, not not in Milwaukee, but it has happened. Um, and yeah, and even even like police and judges, they're not supposed to kill police and judges because even though obviously they don't like them, like that's part of the game. It's like you do your job, I do my job, and that's fine. We don't hate you. That's just you're doing your job. Um, but again. It has happened where police and judges have been killed. So um, anytime there's a rule, you're going to find that there's a, a whole a violation of that rule. Yeah. But I, but yes, but to get to your point, yeah, I do think that being a priest is probably why he was able to talk as openly as he did without getting at least no threats that we know of. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else, Gavin? 
no, for not, this story? No, not not for this time. Yeah, like I say, let, next time we're gonna just kind of finish up this uh, this group of mur- like a couple episodes we we did uh, many murders. This is kind of the follow up oh, to the yeah. many murders. But uh, now, as far as the, the Dominic Leone story goes, I think that about covers it. I do have one more question. Okay, did you follow a trail? Did this all start with Father Le- Leone, and then you discovered all these murders? And if that's kind of how it played out when you were doing the research, for, is that sort of how it played out? Like somehow you stumbled upon Father Leone and you're like, man, this guy's talking about all these different murders. Doing the research, did I look into Father Leone and then find these murders? Yeah. No. 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 Okay, you didn't. No. And and see, the kind of the funny thing about that is I don't remember um, where the murders all came from originally. I mean, this is years ago now. Um, but a big part of it I know was at the Milwaukee County Historical Society, they have the coroner's inquests. And so I think what happened was I was going through the indexes and kind of looking for names that, you know, jumped out as obviously being Italian names. Um, and not all of them end up, you know, here because sometimes you just die for whatever reason. But I think it was something along those lines but the funny thing about you asking that question is that's how it came about for the podcast because when I was going back through my notes, I did look up trying to get a little bit more background information on Father Leone. And the two murders that I mentioned in the beginning, um, I had those already like at home in my records. I had them, but they were not in the book. I'm fairly confident they're not actually in the book. Um, But I added them in here because I felt like it was a way to kind of explain a little bit more about how Father Leone fit into the community and how his name kind of pops up um, with these different things. But um, so, yeah, I mean, for today, looking up him did bring this up in my records, but that isn't how they came about originally. But yeah, there's... I have all kinds of notes that I took when I wrote the original book, the original Milwaukee Mafia book, that never ended up in it. Because part of writing a book is you have to kind of write a narrative. So there's like entire murders that never made the book. Just because they didn't fit into the book, more or less? Right. I mean, I have like the many murders where I just kind of like drop a bunch of things in to kind of make the point of how bad things were in a short period of time. But then there's other murders that I, you know... They're not that they're not important, but I don't know how these people connect into other people, um, whether they're mob murders or not. I mean, not all Italian murders are mob murders. I mean, sometimes right. maybe you just pissed off your neighbor. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but so I, I do have a bunch of other odds and ends that just never made it in because I didn't know how to make it into a story that flows. And so, yeah, so the two that were at the beginning of the podcast today. I don't, I don't think they're in the book. So um, they actually do get kind of added in because I wanted to talk a little bit more about Father Leone than I did the first time around in the, in book. the book. So I, I don't know. That's a ramble, but but He's yes. a very interesting character. Like I think just, so too, which is why I tried to look into him more for this, for this episode because I kind of wanted to know what's this guy's deal. Yeah. Like, and, and I guess... I guess maybe that was just the time that he was so involved in speaking up about these types of things. But I mean, 
you're not going to hear about a priest today that's no that come out and start to t- talk into the news about you right. know, the murders that are going on in his congregation or in his community. Right. So it's it's just really yeah. I mean yeah, something it makes sense. different to it makes sense. He's a community leader, so the, you know the newspaper is going to talk to him, and he's probably um, one of the few people who speaks really good English. You yeah. Know? So that, okay, so that's, that's that's a very good point. So that helps. Um, but yeah, it's definitely I find it very odd just how open the priest is talking about some of this stuff because yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that now. You wouldn't say, oh yeah. I see that uh, some guy in your congregation was killed last week. What do you know about that? Like, you wouldn't ask a priest about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we're about done with this episode. Um, If you want to hit them up with the contact info, as usual. Yeah. Well, if you look up Milwaukee Mafia, you'll probably find me because uh, the email is milwaukeemafia at gmail.com. The website is milwaukeemafia.com. So easy enough. And hit us up with some emails. We have not, the emails have dropped off, I think, a little bit the last few weeks. Well, there hasn't been any mailbag. I'd love to actually get some questions from the audience. So if you got a question, can be completely off topic of what we're talking about, hit us up with it. You know, if we if it doesn't fit into, you know, if it's going to come up in a later episode, we might save your question for that episode. But but otherwise, we'll do the best to get it answered. Yeah, as long as it's Wisconsin crime history in some way, shape or form, it's good enough for me. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another episode. All right. Thank you ha- very much. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next week for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey, entrepreneurs and website owners. If you're ready to take your online presence to the next level, you need a reliable web host. And that's where HostGator comes in. HostGator is your one-stop solution for easy, affordable, and powerful web hosting. Whether you're launching a blog, an online store, or anything in between, HostGator's got you covered. Don't miss out on creating the website you've always wanted. Visit milwaukeemafia.com slash HostGator today and let your online journey begin.